Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. This is what Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. The Old Testament is divided into three major sections. The law, the prophets, and the writings. The section of the prophets is divided into two groups called former prophets and later prophets. The former prophets are Joshua, Judges 1 and 2, and Samuel 1 and 2, and Kings. Sorry, Judges 1 and 2, Samuel, and 1 and 2, Kings. The latter prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the 12 so-called minor prophets, Hosea through to Malachi. The book of Joel comes second in that group of minor prophets. But unlike Hosea and Amos and others, it does not tell us when it was written or when the events recorded in in his prophecies, in his uh, writings, happened. However, the value of the book still remains. What Joel saw happening and what he saw in the future are clear, even if we can't date the book. So Joel writes that a a devastating locust plague had attacked Israel and left virtually no vines or grain. Joel 1, verse 4 says, What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust has left, and the destroying locust has eaten. Joel chapter 2 verse 3 says, The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but after them a desolate desolate wilderness and nothing escapes them. So Joel tells the drunkard to weep because all wine is cut off since the vines are eaten and gone. But for Joel, the tragedy is felt most keenly because the cereal offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord The priests mourn the ministers of the Lord. So the plague was no accident. Joel sees it as a judgment of God on the people who had left God. The locusts explains a God's army. The Lord Lord utters his voice before his army and the hosts is, is, is exceedingly great. He has executed his word in he sorry, he that executes his word is powerful. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? And Joel calls for repentance in chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. He says, Even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your hearts, with fasting and weeping, and with mourning, and rent your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, who knows whether he will who knows whether he will not turn and repent and leave a blessing behind him. And the people respond to Joel's preaching with the result that God's jealous with with the result that God's jealousy for his people is stirred up in Joel chapter two verse nineteen it says the Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending you grain and wine and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. Then after he spells out the riches 
of their restoration, Joel lifts his eyes by divine inspiration to the more distant future and delivers God's word once again. And he says, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young, women, young men shall see visions. Even upon the manservants and the maidservants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and I will give portents in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness the moon, and the moon to, the, to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Joel had called the judgment of God in the locust plague the day of the Lord. But now he sees another day of the Lord coming and he calls it the great and terrible day of the Lord. It will be signaled by phenomena in the sky and signs on the earth for all to see. The whole earth will be summoned for judgment. Verse, chapter 3, verse 2, it says, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, which means Yahweh's judgment. And I will enter on, in, into judgment with them there. But before this cataclysmic judgment occurs, God promises that a great outpouring of his spirit will happen. Joel chapter 2 verse 28 says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, hundreds of years later, the Apostle Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and announces the fulfillment of this prophecy. He says in Acts chapter 2 verse 16, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And throughout last Sunday's service, we focused our attention on the ascension of Jesus. This event happened 40 days after his resurrection. Today, we move forward 10 days to the day of Pentecost. Now, the word means 50th and refers to the 50th day after the Passover. Pentecost was the Jewish celebration of the, the Feast of Weeks, which when the first fruits of the grain harvest were dedicated to the Lord. Numbers 28 verse 26 says, On the day of the first fruits, where you present to the Lord an offering of new grain during the festival of weeks, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. But today for Christians, Pentecost has a, a new meaning. Jesus had told his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 4 to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, namely the baptism of the Spirit. He had told them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit had come upon them. And then on Pentecost morning in Acts chapter 2, it tells us all of them, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. And the people said, 
We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? And Peter gives them the astonishing answer. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes Joel, chapter 2, from 28 through to 32. And the two questions I want to try and answer this morning are, the first one is, what did Joel mean when he predicted the outpouring of God's Spirit before the great and terrible day of the Lord? And number two, what is the fullest significance of this event now as we view it from the standpoint of the New Testament revelation? So in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God is the presence of God. It's the revealing of God by some action or by some word. Therefore, when Joel says that the Lord will pour out His Spirit on all flesh, what he means is that God will draw near and make Himself known and make Himself felt in a very powerful way. There is a great difference between perceiving a lake at a distance and being immersed in that same lake. So there's a great difference between experiencing God as a distant object of knowledge and being immersed in His presence. The picture of a worldwide pouring uh, compels us to think of being soaked and being saturated and swept along by God's Spirit. Joel wanted his readers to anticipate an an unmistakable flood tide of God's presence. When God draws near to a person by His Spirit, He does not do so to reveal Himself. His aim is to be known as God. His aim is not to some some psychic phenomenon. It's not some, some, some indescribable fantasy. Therefore, when God pours Himself on us by His Spirit, He stirs up in us true images and concepts of His beauty and of His power, of His mercy, of His truth, of His holiness and of His greatness. And He hastens and He opens up our affection to respond properly to all that we see. It is unthinkable that a person could be, as it were, soaked by the presence of the infinite and holy God and not be moved deeply. It's unthinkable. And so this morning, if you're not often moved deeply by the self-revealing presence of the judge of the world and the lover of your soul, then I urge you to pray for the fulfilment and the fulfilling of Joel chapter 2 verse 28 in your experience with God and set your gaze firmly this morning on the beauty of God in scripture because there's a great difference between experiencing God as a distant object of knowledge and being immersed in his presence this morning Joel goes on to say that when God makes himself known and felt in people's lives. This can manifest itself in three ways. They may dream dreams. 
I see visions and prophesy. What a person dreams about is a sign of what their mind is saturated with. What looms up in the mind's eye while strolling along signals whatever they are soaked in, or whatever they are soaked in in God in particular. And when you can um, usually, you can usually tell whether a person has been drenched with the Holy Spirit by whatever their mouth is given to declare the excellence, to declare the excellence, excellencies of God. When God pours Himself out on an individual, the inner life is changed. It is filled with God, and since the mouth is simply the pressure valve of the inner life, when the inner life is full of God, the mouth prophesies. Now, we must not think of prophecy mainly as prediction. Prophecy, as is used here, is primarily verbalising the great things you have seen of God. As the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, he says, But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Joel is not trying to get us uh, excited that we will one day be able to, to, to know the future before it happens because there's nothing especially holy about that in Scripture. Isn't that right, Natalie? Yep. That kind of prophecy is called fortune-telling and it's forbidden by God. Okay? Joel is looking for the day when men and women everywhere will be filled with God that they catch visions of Him in the daytime. That they dream about him at night and speak of him continually with their mouths. The best evidence of this is the day of Pentecost. The Spirit was poured out. The result was that those who were filled with the Spirit declared the wonders of God. The miracle of tongues enabled all to understand. But the important thing is what they said. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Joel wasn't the only Old Testament prophet who longed for the day when God would saturate his people with the Spirit. There's a story about Moses in Numbers chapter 11, verse 24 to 30. Similar, very, very similar to Joel's prophecy. Moses had the Spirit of the Lord upon him in such a way that he could see God and speak his words powerfully. Numbers 11, verse 25 to 29. Then the Lord came, came down in a cloud and spoke with him. And he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but did not do so again. However, two men, also named Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp. They were listed amongst the elders, but they did not go into the tent or go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit had rested upon them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran to talk to, and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. And Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that they and that the Lord would put His Spirit or put the, His Spirit on them. 
This is the day Joel is predicting. The day when all God's people will prophesy. As Moses said, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. I wish all the Lord's people at Christ Church Melton were prophets. So saturated, so soaked in God, so filled with God in the inner life that we would constantly speak to one another of the excellencies of our Maker and our Redeemer and our Friend. And don't think this is beyond our reach this morning. Don't think that such an experience of God is for the professional spiritual elite. The point is, the point of Joel's prophecy is this, the Spirit will be poured out on all flesh whether you are a man, whether you are a woman, whether you are young, whether you are old, whether you are a servant, whether you are a master, the promise is for you that all people, that all God's people would, be, would, would prophesy. That all of God's people would be so filled with His Spirit that our love and our admiration would spill over into our words. So what is it this morning that hinders us why is the name of Pentecost, why in the name of Pentecost this morning are we so reserved to speak of God when those opportunities are given to us? And I don't know why, but I do know this, that it's not the Spirit. It's not the Spirit of God that seals our lips, is it? And makes us think that praise and encouragement is just a private affair. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 to 20 says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. God declares, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. But perhaps you may say, well, I don't think this applies to us. So let's look briefly at Acts chapter 2 and Peter's understanding of Pentecost. We learn at least three things about Joel's prophecy from our present New Testament perspective. The first thing we learn is we learn that Joel's prophecy began its fulfilment at Pentecost with the outpouring of the Spirit on the 120 and with their prophetic declarations of God's greatness. And verse 17, Peter says that this prophecy refers to the last days, also referred to as the church age, which is a period of end-time extended mercy. Secondly, we also learn that the great and terrible day of the Lord, with its cosmic threats described in Joel chapter 2, is separate in time from the previous outpouring of God's Spirit, this was not clear in this New Testament, or this, sorry, this Old Testament prophecy, but it is very evident from our perspective. The day of judgment for all nations is surely coming. Acts chapter 10 verse 42 says, He commanded us to preach to people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge for the living and for the dead. Acts chapter 17 verse 31 says, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man who has was appoint, who has he has appointed he has he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead 
But until that day when Jesus will judge the peoples of the world, we live in what might be called a Pentecostal era. The age in which the exalted Christ is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. And thirdly, and finally, we learn that all flesh does not mean every human without exception. This is already clear for us, written in the Old Testament. Joel says, whoever shall, be, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There will be those who will not call on the name of the Lord. They sense no need for him, and that they have no joy for him. And so it is important that the promise of the Spirit belong. It's it, is it is important that the Spirit of the, of the promise of the Spirit belongs to them. But all flesh does not mean all individuals. It means it means every sort of individual. Yes, it means every nation. It means that no one can look at anything he or she has by their birth and say, "Well, this excludes me from the promise." But what we do learn, new from this Old Testament understanding, is that the only way to receive the promise of the Spirit is to repent and be baptised in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. Peter concludes his sermon in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, with these words. Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Spirit. Therefore, Peter announces that with the coming of Jesus Christ, calling upon the name of the Lord means turning from all other hopes and calling upon Jesus in an act of repentance and baptism. And so as we close, the prophecy of Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 32, does apply to us, precisely to those of us who have pinned our hope on the salvation of Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that all of God's people would become prophets. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you that I am part of the church, which is the body of Christ, and that in him, I have been given the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit so that in his power I may tell forth the wonderful works of God to all whom I come in contact with. Help me to rightly divide the word of God and truth and give me the, a teachable spirit so that I may learn the wonderful truths in your word. Protect me from the false teachings which seek to distort the God-breathed scriptures and use me, as you will, to your praise and your glory. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.